Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have hit songwriter for Big Loud, Rocky Block. Growing up the son of famous radio host Billy Block, Rocky was raised around music and started fronting the family band at a young age. You've heard his songs such as Broadway Girls by Morgan Wallen and Stop Coming Over by Chris Lane and many more. This was a really fun episode, and I know you guys are going to learn a lot. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have artist and songwriter Rocky Block. Rocky, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing real good. So good. getting into your story, you grew up in Nashville. What was your childhood like? Uh, I, man, I, I grew up in a, in a house full of music uh, here in town, yeah. Uh, had a brother, my little brother obviously was around for most of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, my, my parents were great. And child, my childhood was fine, man. I mean, you know, grew up, uh, yeah, it was a lot of music. And uh, yeah, my dad was in the business. So uh, it was, it, that, that was the start of it all probably. For sure. Hearing a lot of music around the house, uh, what is like the first like record or artist you kind of remember like really listening to and resonating with? Uh, man, actually privy, pretty vividly. It was, uh, it was, I was doing yard work with my dad. I was probably like five because I think it came out in 02. So yeah, it was, he would get sent, my dad would get sent a bunch of CDs every week because he had his radio show. And back in the day, like people would have to send you CDs to like get on, like you'd have, that's how it was done, you know? And, uh, there was this one CD that like he got, he had gotten sent or I don't know if it came in just a package of it was, it was plenty of random stuff that wasn't just country, which was what he was playing on the radio. But um, it was this John Cleary record called John Cleary and the absolute monster gentleman. Oh, cool. uh, it's like new Orleans cat, piano player, singer guy. Uh, I really gravitated towards that stuff when I was younger, um, I think it was more about the the music for me back then, like the feeling of like the music and the theory and the, and uh, the, the, the lyric and the, the story of the song is kind of, I didn't, that, that wasn't what I was listening for so much at the time. And that's like the stuff I fell in love with. Totally. Now, growing up in a family, like you said, with your dad working in the business, were you automatically put into like a, in lessons to learn an instrument growing up or did they let you decide that you wanted to get into music? Yeah, well, I just wanted to be like my dad. My dad did music. So like they, they, they didn't have any problems like, you know, getting me to want to do it or anything like that. I don't think I think they would have let me not. They would have let me be into it like they were just cool with whatever. But no, I definitely there was a point when I was probably 13 or so when I went to my pops and I was just like, yo, like I'm want to kind of do this like how what are my options here and like how do I navigate that and then I'm really grateful that that's a a question I was able to ask and it, and it, you know I was you know that that was an option for me then totally so I saw online that you play guitar bass and piano what was the first instrument that you picked up drums but then Grady was way better than I was so I stopped playing drums because my dad was <laughs> a drummer so that, that was the first thing I played truly I, I started playing everything else because I was like well Grady's younger than me and he's already as good as I am at drums. I better do everything else instead of that because he'd get all the gigs instead of me and that would be terrible for me. So it's funny because uh, up until doing the research for this, I thought that uh, Grady was the younger one. For some reason, he looks younger than you. I was Gra- surprised. Grady is the younger one. Oh, he is. Okay. I thought that mm-hmm. you. Uh, okay. Yeah. That makes a lot. That makes sense then. <laughs> there may be a misleading. Uh, something online of me calling him big bro or something that may have thrown you off there but 
Yeah, maybe that was it. So uh, you, like you mentioned, your dad, Billy Block, huge country uh, radio personality. What was it like growing up with someone like working in the industry? And uh, do you remember having like, any memories of maybe any uh, big people in the industry coming like just around your house growing up or kind of making some early relationships early on? Yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool dynamic around the house because in like I've like basically two childhood, not at the same time, but like, you know, there was one that I was in until a certain age and then another I was in the rest of my childhood. And in both houses, the basement was like a rehearsal studio with like a full PA amps, like drums. It's like, you know, it's like a, a mini room at SIR or any other like rehearsal studio, you know, and uh except not treated at all. So everything is just bouncing off the walls left and right. Uh, but um, but yeah, through that, like uh, he would have everyone that played his show come through and rehearse at his house like the night before. And then because there was a house band oftentimes. So just kind of through that, there were like regulars, like the guys in the house band um, that would be there every week at rehearsal. And then there were the artists that were playing that would come through, you know, whenever they were on. So. It was a, it was like a motley crew of like this whole group of of people that ended up ascending together, um, which is what I hope to do with all my my buddies, you know. Totally. Now, did uh, you pick up anything cool from like just being around stuff like that? Like, were you able to have conversations with those musicians like while you were learning, like uh, trying to pick uh, things up from them? Yeah, I, I I I I like picking brains, you know. So even then yeah no it that's how i learned to play music really i i like it was mostly i i had to take lessons until i knew like enough of what i was doing and then most of the like stuff that i still use are all like how did you do that <laughs> like i would just sit down there and like the basement would do something and i'd like afterwards i'd be like how did you do that or like you know like there was like a chord you know that i didn't I couldn't conceptualize like I didn't I couldn't hear how it fit into the and I'd be like what is that why does that work how's that so like yeah getting to ask those kind of like like how does this like for me it's a lot of it was theoretical right like it, but I don't know yes yes to answer your question it was nice to have those resources around to just like and ask ask questions and that's a lot of how I learned totally so you said you were around 13 when you kind of had the conversation with your dad that you wanted to go into music. Is that around the time that you started playing around town in Nashville? My, uh, we actually had a family band when I was younger than that. Really? So we were playing around town uh, with the Block family band. It was, uh, it was my parents and Grady and I, and uh, actually a, a friend of a family friend of ours who wasn't in our family for part of it. But uh, man, we would, man, we like ruined people's vacations down in the Bahamas this one time. Like my dad got us this gig down there. I was probably 10. My brother's <laughs> playing drums my dad was playing bass he was a drummer didn't know how to play bass you know my mom's like the only like solid one with Grady I'm you know anyways we would get like no comments on Facebook back in the day like you ruined my day at the pool in the Bahamas like because you were oh, so no. bad and it's just like yeah well so no we we were doing it before then but that's when um that's when I really started like seeking guidance I think and like r rather than like doing it for fun and because it was like something I like to do that's when it became a little more like how do I strategically um work through the the, the ranks at this rather than just do it totally now uh kind of going back a little bit uh since you grew up in Nashville is there anyone you, got, you went to school with that is also like doing country music right now yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of people I grew up with, man. And I'll, I'm like, I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna forget some of them. But like, uh, my buddy Hank 
Compton, who I didn't go to school with, but we were in bands together like early. He's, uh, you know, he's he's doing stuff here. He's, he's sick. Uh, God, man, there's uh, in country specifically, I'm trying to think. There's a guy, I went to high school with this guy, Bren Joy, who was here at Big Loud for some time, who's like a dope, like R&B soul pop artist. And we worked together a good bit. Um, am I forgetting someone in particular? Is there anyone that I went to school with that like is obvious and right in front of me that I like am not thinking of that is in country? Hmm. Uh, man, that's, uh, I, I wish I, I wish I was better at that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, I, there's people I run into all the time that I, not necessarily maybe that I went to high school with, but that I was friends with in high school that are doing like really sick stuff. I think it's cool that you ended up at Big Loud too, because it seems like a lot of their roster was Nashville natives, like with Ernest and other people too. Yeah, and I didn't know, what's funny about Big Loud in particular is it's the, the highest concentration of locals I've met anywhere, but I didn't know any of them growing up. And really? we were all around each other. We were all in South Nashville in particular, like between like certain, like, you know, it was all like this one, but I guess Ernest was just old enough for me to probably like not, known him Mike and JB were just far enough out and like Brentwood to where like I didn't really know them like Franklin area Nolansville and then Grady and I were kind of in our pocket but man it's crazy that you're right there's a lot of there's a lot of natives here at, at Big Loud and I kind of love that totally. I love that it's it's a lot of fun but no we didn't know each other growing up so in 2017, you released uh, your first EP, Lover, which uh, I'm a huge fan of. I love the soulful vocals. It kind of just takes me right back to like the 70s when I listen to it, I feel. What was the creative process going like going into making that record? Well, first off, it's cool for me that like you know about that record and like I appreciate that. Like it's not really a huge part of my life anymore, although I am still proud of it and whatnot. You know, it's n not nothing to do uh, with that, but man, it was, it was a fun time making that. Cause that's like the stuff I like love, like grew up loving. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. That's who I wanted to. And it sounds very much like what I was trying to emulate um, in a way, I guess, but like, it was still a lot of fun. So essentially this guy that I'm like a massive fan of and had been before I knew him uh, named Casey Wozner produced it and helped me with the whole thing. And uh, he's just like, He's just a legend in his own right. Like Google, you know, I'm just saying like, he's, he's, he's done this really cool thing. Um, and I just, I, he made this record in 2013 that he played everything on and, and like wrote and sang um, and produced that I was like, just a big fan of. Um, and then I was introduced to him and played him some of those songs. And he was like, man, like, I would love to help you do this. Like, I'll do it. I'll just do it. You know? And I, you wow. know, like, it was really the only reason I got the opportunity to make a record like that, which did ultimately help, you know, get me my first publishing deal like here in town. And like, it's, I'm really grateful for it, man. Like I literally like wouldn't have been able to, I mean, I would have, but just not like that. You know what I mean? So. Right. So when I'm you, for that. when you went in to make that record, what was the motive behind it? Was it, I want to write these songs to make, so to show off my songwriting ability to maybe get a publishing deal? Were you pursuing an artist career at that time? I wanted to be an artist at the time. I was playing, I'd been playing shows around. I, I started like kind of playing like punk shows, but like with that music, because a lot of it was like the only gigs I could get. And like all my, like a lot of my boys were playing punk shows and I was just like, can I come play? And like, you know, enough people would come to where it would make sense for them to let me play. Like eventually, which was sick, but like, yeah, so I started in like a lot of houses and like little punk venues and then 
um, I never really made it further out of that, but you know, we ended up getting to make a fun little record. But I, the intention was to make like, that's just what I wanted to sound like. That's what I wanted to be. And I wanted to sing those songs and go play them and tour them. And like, um, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm, I'm glad that's not my reality now. Um, but yeah, that's was, that was the intention. You still ever find yourself writing uh, for that genre, maybe pitching to people that are still doing that type of music, or do you kind of focus on the country and like hip hop crossovers? Um, truthfully, what's more, um, I guess what's more fulfilling for me now is trying to find ways to fit that in to what I do now, rather than just still do it. Totally. Because the reality is, is like, unless there's like a, a pretty marketable, like, radio for a type of music as just a songwriter now there are things that physically don't make sense for me to do unless it's purely for passion and like i i don't do much passion project i don't do many passion projects um which maybe is a fault of mine but uh but yeah so no what's really fun for me these days is trying to let that like use that and have it influence what i do on a day-to-day basis now that's what's most fun for me with it. Totally. And I bet that's what makes you like stick out in the writing room is everyone bringing in their own influences like that. Sure. And I, I try to use it to my advantage and sometimes I'm sure it's to my disadvantage and sometimes it is. So, you know, it's, but that's, that's where it comes into play for me now is, is just finding the kind of country that like, cause there's all this like old, sorry, I don't mean to, there, there's all this old country that kind of sounds like that. And like, you know, it's, it's uh just finding it and trying to, you know, figure out where it fits in and where the cliches are that it, yeah, it's, that's what's, that's the puzzle for me now. That's fun. And it's cool too, because I think that you're totally right. That a lot of old country really does fit that. Like if you listen to like Ronnie Millsap, Glenn Campbell, all that old stuff is exactly what you're talking about that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. You see it a lot in the seventies and a lot in the nineties as well. Like a lot of the Vince skill stuff is like pretty, pretty that like not in the same maybe like yeah it it, well there's a lot of it it's really cool and it's fun and for me I wasn't a huge country fan until the last few four years so it's been fun for me to really get to discover a lot rather than revisit a lot totally now what did the process of you getting your first publishing deal look like man my first publishing deal was with a a writer in town named Bob DePiro who's a legend and a, a sweetheart and we had met back in 2017, started writing together. And by like 2018, he had, uh, he just, he offered me, he offered me a, a deal for a couple of years just to see, just cause I was doing my artist stuff still. I wasn't even writing country stuff. So it was kind of like, Hey, like this is just to kind of help you get along and whatnot. And um, in that deal is when I had written enough country songs to be like, wow, the songs that, come easiest to me writing are these and the songs that are have having any sort of action on them are these like I, I, I kind of but the path to it was just I met Bob uh, showed him the stuff that I was doing that you're the, the lover record and, and you know had him come out to a couple shows and he, we ended up writing songs together and really just clicking as humans as well and I'm, I'm really grateful for the the chance he took on me you know heck yeah now, when did that transition, when did you end up leaving there and going to Big Loud? Uh, so that would have been like peak COVID. Uh, it was an interesting time because my deal with Bob was ending, uh, I think in that, that summer of 2020. And yeah, everything just went crazy in March, right? Because that's when the 
everything shut down and everything was very uncertain. And, um, but yeah, so long, yeah, I, I ended up signing over here in the summer of 2020 and I kind of like started trying to write as many songs as I could while, while everyone, like, while everyone else like, couldn't write as many songs. And I just, just wanted to, I was just very grateful to, you know, have the opportunity, but yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the middle of the summer, 2020, I think. So not short after, or not long after you got signed to Big Loud in 2020, you actually had your first number one at Canadian Country Radio with Dean Brody with your song, Can't Help Myself, which you actually wrote uh, with the guys from Florida Georgia Line. Uh, what do you remember about that day writing and uh, how, did, how much did it mean to you to have your first number one? Yeah, that was a really cool moment. And that was actually, that was part of like, that was back when I was with Bob that, that happened. So they really? sent me out um, on, the, on the Tree Vibes bus and we were out there on the road and it was me and Blake Redfern and, uh, and, and the, the Ch Jason Fable and the, and the guys, and there were like five of us and we were just sitting there and, uh, Jason played that stomp clap thing. And, uh, I think it was BK who was like slumped on the couch next to me, just like sitting there. And he just went, you know, I like cold beer, yes I do. I like cold beer, how about you? And the rest, you know, the rest was fun after that. But it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, my buddy Griffin Palmer actually ended up showing it to the Rec Laws. And uh, they were like, yo, can we do this? And it was, you know, it had freed up. And we were like, yeah, please, thank you. And then they got Dean on it and ended up doing it together. And um, it was a really, that was a really fun moment for me, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was really cool. Totally. Now, uh, getting into probably one of your biggest releases so far, uh, you're a co-writer on Morgan Wallen and Lil Durk's Broadway Girls. Can you take me through like the day that you remember? Uh, what do you remember about the day writing that song? Man, um, well, there were there were like there were a few, couple few sessions on that. So it wasn't all the same session. But the first day was uh, it was a Friday and we all went to losers beforehand at probably like one and then by like two or two thirty, went over to, went over to the Hutton where Charlie was working and there were like six of us in there and you know, it just, it happened the way it happened, but it was, uh, it was, it was fun to be a part of and, and, and see, you know, it was great. It was really cool. It was fun. Did you write that with Morgan in mind or were you just writing it to write it at that point? Um, I think we knew when we got on it that it would be a pretty cool thing for him to do. I think that was like, you could look around the room and just go, you know, this is probably going to be really cool, you know? And, and then, yeah, there was another session that Morgan came on and really did, you know, did his thing to it and really whatever. And then, yeah, it was great. It was great. And then Dirk just did his, they said, I don't know how I stay out of it, man. Like, you know, I do what I can. I, that's out of my control. So I just try to write, you know, be there and do what, do what I can do to help the song. And then the rest of it is, uh, you know, totally. Now I'm sure you can agree with this too. I mean, I'm a big, I mean, country is my favorite, but I mean, also I love rap like a uh, little Dirk King Von, just because the storytelling that they storytelling that they have in their songs. What, did, how did you react when you found out that little Dirk was going to be on the song and you actually have a cut on a little Dirk record now too. No, it's uh that it was really cool, man. And uh, you know, I, the only, the uh, man, it was it was fun because I think I'm like, it's funny. I I think that this the stuff I listen to the least growing up is country and rap, and I think w what I listen to the most, by a long shot now is country and rap, right? 
And I think that it is, it's the storytelling, it's the lyric on both ends. And then, you know, like for me at least, you know, and like, I like, and I, I think it's like, it's, it's very similar in the way that like, it's an expression of culture, right? Like, it's like, they're like the, the two main parts of like mainstream types of music that like are like specific to like, and like even different artists within the genres have their cultures that it's specific to like, and you know, those fans and like, you can see those, you know what I mean? Like, totally. Like, and I just think like, no, nah, I just think that it's beautiful. Like the way that, um, that came about and I'm, I, it was dope. I'm a, I'm a Dirk fan. Like he's, you know, like, I got to meet him at the video shoot and hang out with them for a while. Like they just had me over to, I just got to hang out, but like, that was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, and he was a really sweet guy. And like, it was, it was, uh, it was all like really, it was all really cool at just to, just to get to be around for. Yeah. That's what I was going to lead into next is that you have, to, you have a cameo in the music video. What was it like to, I mean, sure. I'm you growing up on in Nashville, going down to Broadway. What was it like to go down there? Like with Broadway shut down literally just for you guys to shoot this music video, man, you know, so I didn't uh, stick around for that part. I just, uh, I pulled up. I, it was, it was, they really just, the part I was at, they had just, uh, they had, there's a back entrance or something now Dean's and then you just go up to the third floor and they have that, they had that like, rubbed up or like blocked up just the third floor was like you know wherever whatever floor that was i don't know but um but yeah that that i think they did later that night so it was like easier to close down i think that might have been at like three or four a.m oh wow so uh um, so. you've had so many singles released uh kind of in the past year or so with your career taking off like chris lane ashley cook do you have a song that you're most proud of that has landed on an artist record Oh man, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I, I'm not sure if there's like one that I'd like necessarily be most proud of, but I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of the work that, uh, that I did on like the Seaforth stuff with, with Good Beer. And then there's, there's going to be more stuff that comes out. I just, I'm such a fan of theirs and they're good friends of mine. And I'm really proud of the work we did on that, the, the stuff that's that Good Beer song, but a lot of the stuff coming to, um, that just that's just the first thing that comes to mind but you know it's honestly like every time that i write a song that someone ends up like wanting to do like that's just like sick man like that's so cool that that's it's my job but it's like also like why i love my job so um i'm for me it's about getting it out there and then like i've you know we've seen in the last couple years like songs can have lives whenever so like for me i just want to have as many songs out to like have a life if possible and i trust that some will have enough of a life to where we'll get to keep writing songs you know totally now i know you said you're not big on passion projects but do you have any more plans to release any music under your own name i don't no i do not one bit and i'm uh i know i'm just writing songs here and i'm, I'm I, that's that's what i'm doing right now so heck yeah so I kind of like to end my interviews with uh, kind of you giving advice to anyone that's wanting to be in your position, either as a songwriter or an artist, something that you might have learned on uh, your path to where you are now. Man, I, I fought, I, I'll, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm smiling because it's like I hated when people said this to me and I didn't do it for a long time. And then I finally did. And like, it's the only way I've ever gotten better at writing songs. Reps, reps, write the songs 
write the bad ones, write the decent ones, write the good ones, write the be better than that last one, write the, all of them. It doesn't matter. You like, it's like, like the, the analogy for me is like the guy that's been in the gym for 10 years, like lifting the same weight over and over, like, dude, like he's going to bench more than you. And like your job at the end of the day is to bench more than everyone else. So you got to take, you got to have the same reps. You know what I mean? Like, I like, my, it's, it's not a versus thing. Cause I, I want everyone to have success. I think there's more than enough success to have around. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at cutting one song and there's 10 songs for it, they're not, they don't care if, you know, it's just, they is anyone, but like you're going against the greats already. So it's like, you got to just go have that, that thing where it's like, I'm going to write enough songs to have written. You know what I mean? Like it's reps, it's, it's building the muscle and it's through that you I, I've learned everything that I know about writing from writing with other people and trying and to take what I think they do that is good and make it my own because there's that's how it's what I've been exposed to it's all what you expose yourself to I would be in Nashville I would be in LA I would be somewhere wherever the kind of music that they you want to write that that's where they write it I would try your best to be there and then just try your best to write as many songs as you can and that's all I want to do at this point I just want to write as many songs as I can without you know not being able to write good songs because I've written too many songs which I've gotten to that point but write the songs and like eventually you'll be like wow this one's really good and everyone else thinks so too that's crazy I never thought that would actually end up happening like <laughs> you know that's all it, that's all it is so I don't know. That was a long-winded one sentence of write the songs, but truly, that's all it's been Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Rocky Block. Rocky, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone, go follow him on Instagram at Rocky Block. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Rocky's brother, drummer for Ernest and songwriter, Grady Block. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from other reviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know if you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.